Hi, I'm Father Gregory Pine. And I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our prayer lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Spiritual reading can be challenging for many Catholics, so this podcast is here to help. Each season, we'll read through a great work, unpack its timeless wisdom, and encourage you with practical tips for the pursuit of holiness. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we are reading Ascension's edition of Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. To get your copy of the book and download the reading plan for this season, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text INTRO to 33777. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app. This is Day 35. Today we will be reading Part 4, Necessary Counsels Concerning Temptations That Occur Frequently in the Christian Life, Chapters 7-10, through 10, pages 389 to 396 in the Ascension edition of the book. Before we get into the reading, a quick look then at what we are covering today. Again, since we find ourselves within part four, we're going to be talking more about temptation. Fortunately though, you know, we've already had this extended discourse or this extended treatment of the virtuous life, so we're not tempted to think that temptation is all there is to our Christian existence. It's far, far more beautiful, but it's good to know about temptation, so that way we don't wander into a trap unawares. So in this section, St. Francis de Sales is going to talk about big temptations and small temptations, and he's going to compare the strength of those temptations and also their frequency, for while big temptations might come with a certain force, they're rather infrequent, and small temptations, while they don't seem as formidable, they come far more often. So he's going to direct our attention then to how we might resist these temptations and grow in the life of virtue. Let's say a prayer then and start in. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grant us grace, O merciful God, to desire ardently all that is pleasing to thee, to examine it prudently, to acknowledge it truthfully, and to accomplish it perfectly, for the praise and glory of thy name. Amen. Chapter 7 Remedies for Great Temptations As soon as you perceive that you are being tempted, be like a child who sees a wolf or a bear in his country field, running at once into the arms of his father or mother, or at least calling out to them for help and protection. Do you run in the same way to God and cry to Him for pity and help? This is the remedy given to us by our Lord. Quote, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. End quote. Matthew 26, 41. If you find that the temptation nonetheless still continues, or even increases, Hasten in spirit and embrace the Holy Cross as though you saw our Savior Jesus Christ crucified before you. Assert that you will never consent to the temptation, and beseech his help against it, continuing to refuse to consent to it for as long as the temptation continues. However, while making these protestations and refusals to consent, do not look the temptation in the eye, but rather, look only upon our Lord. For if you look at the temptation, especially while it is strong, it may shake your courage." Turn your thoughts to some good and praiseworthy occupations, for when they enter your mind and engage your attention, they will drive away the evil temptations and suggestions. However, the great remedy against all temptation, whether great or small, is to open your heart to your director and tell him about what has been suggested to it, along with its feelings and affections. Indeed, note well that the first condition the evil one makes with the soul whom he desires to seduce is to keep silence, as those men who look to seduce wives or maidens forbid them, above all else, to communicate their proposals to their parents or husbands. By contrast, however, God in his inspirations always would have us above all else make these things known to our superiors and spiritual directors. 
But if, after all this, the temptation should still obstinately continue to harass and persecute us, there is nothing else that we can do but continue to protest with equal obstinacy that we will not consent. For just as maidens can never be married so long as they answer no, so too the soul, no matter how tempted she might be, can never be overcome for as long as she says no. Never dispute with your enemy, nor answer him with even a single word, except with that which our Savior used to confound him. Quote, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. End quote. Matthew 4.10 And, as a chaste wife should never answer the wicked man who sinfully propositions her, nor look him in the face, but rather must immediately leave his presence, immediately turning her heart toward her husband and renewing the vow of fidelity that she has made to him, so too, the devout soul who sees that she is being assaulted by temptation must lose no time in disputing with it, but simply must turn herself toward Jesus Christ her spouse and renew her vow of fidelity to him, likewise expressing her desire to remain solely and entirely his forever. Chapter 8. That We Must Resist Small Temptations Although we must fight against great temptations with an invincible courage, and even though the victory we gain over them is extremely advantageous, Nonetheless, it may be that we profit more by fighting courageously against small ones, for just as great temptations are great in quality, so too lesser ones are great in quantity. Therefore, victory over the lesser may be equal to conquest of the greater. Wolves and bears are without a doubt more dangerous than flies, yet they do not attack us as often, nor give us so much trouble, nor exercise our patience as much as hosts of these small insects. It is an easy thing to abstain from murder but it is a very difficult thing to restrain all the little feelings of anger that rise up within our soul at all those varied occasions that give rise to it. It is very easy for a man or a woman to refrain from adultery, but not so easy to refrain from glances of the eyes, from giving or taking favors, or from speaking or hearkening to flattering words. It is easy not to admit a rival to one's husband or wife as regards one's body, but not so much as regards the heart. How easy it is to refrain from defiling the marriage bed, but how difficult to abstain from everything which is detrimental to conjugal affection. It is easy not to steal another man's goods, but difficult not to covet them. Easy not to bear false witness in a court of justice, but how difficult never to tell a lie. Easy not to get drunk, but not easy to be perfectly temperate. Easy not to wish another man's death, but difficult not to desire what would be inconvenient to him. Easy not to slander him, but difficult to abstain from despising him. In short, these lesser temptations of anger, suspicion, jealousy, envy, flirtation, frivolity, vanity, insincerity, affectation, craftiness, and impure thoughts continually cause difficulties even for those who are the most devout and resolute. Therefore, my dear Philothea, we must prepare ourselves for this warfare with great care and diligence, resting assured that for as many victories as we gain over these lesser enemies, we will receive as many precious stones in the crown of glory being prepared for us in heaven by God. Therefore, I say that while we are forever ready to fight courageously against great temptations when they come, we must in the meanwhile diligently defend ourselves against those that seem feeble and trivial. Chapter 9. How to Remedy Minor Temptations Thus, as regards those lesser temptations of vanity, suspicion, impatience, jealousy, envy, and so forth, which, like flies and gnats, continually dance before our eyes and sometimes sting us upon the cheek or the nose, just as it is impossible that we be altogether freed from their vexations, the best defense we can make is not to be troubled much about them. For even though they may tease us, nonetheless they can never hurt us for as long as we remain firmly resolved to serve God. Therefore, 
Despise these petty assaults. Do not even lower yourself to think about what they suggest. Let them buzz about your ears as much as they like, dancing here and there around you. Pay no more attention to them than you would to flies. And when they come toward you to sting you and you see them settling upon your heart, merely brush them away without contending against them or disputing with them. Do some deeds that are opposed to the temptation, especially acts of the love of God. However, if you will allow yourself to follow my advice, you will not set your mind on opposing them by the virtue that is opposed to them, for in this you would be tempted to enter into disputation with this enticement. Rather, after performing an act of the directly opposed virtue, provided you have had leisure to observe the nature of the temptation, then simply turn your heart toward Jesus Christ crucified, and by an act of love embrace in spirit his sacred feet. This is the best means for overcoming the enemy in little as well as great temptations. For just as the love of God contains within itself the perfection of all the virtues, even more excellently than the virtues themselves, it is the most sovereign remedy against all vices. Therefore, by accustoming your mind in all temptations to have recourse to this universal refuge, you need not even examine the kind of temptation that besets you, but, rather, merely upon feeling itself troubled, your mind will fly to this great remedy, which moreover is so terrible to the evil spirit, that when he perceives that his temptations incite us to such acts of divine love, he ceases to tempt us. Thus, for small and frequent temptations, we have our ready remedies at hand. Anyone who spends his time considering all the small details concerning the temptations would weigh himself down with a great deal of trouble, all to little avail. Chapter 10. How to Strengthen the Heart Against Temptations From time to time, consider what are the predominant passions of your soul, and having discovered what they are, adopt habits of thought, words, and deeds that are completely opposed to them. If, for example, you find yourself inclined to vanity, think often about the miseries of human life, what agitation these vanities will raise in your conscience on the day of your death, how unbecoming they are for a generous heart, reminding yourself that they are nothing more than meaningless toys fit only for the amusement of children. Often speak against vanity, and even though it be against the grain of your character, ceaselessly speak ill of it, for in this way you will even set yourself among those opposed to it. By speaking against something, we bring ourselves to hate it, even if we had some attachment to it at first. As much as possible, perform works of abjection and humility. If you are at first highly reluctant to do so, for by this means you will so develop the habit of humility and weaken your vanity, that when temptation comes along, you will be less inclined to favor it and will have greater strength to resist it. If you are inclined to greed, often recall the foolishness of this sin which makes us slaves to that which was made to serve us. Remind yourself that at death we must part with all that we have, leaving it in the hands of those who perhaps may squander it away or for whom it may be a cause of ruin and damnation. Speak aloud against avarice and in praise of contempt for the world. Force yourself to give alms frequently and allow some occasions for monetary gain to slip by without taking advantage of them. If you are inclined to express loving affection or to receive it, often think how very dangerous this kind of amusement is, as much to yourself as to others. Place before your mind just how unworthy a thing it is for us to profane the noblest affection of our soul by employing it in so idle a pastime, and how blameworthy such extreme frivolity of mind is. Speak often in praise of purity and simplicity of heart, and let your actions, to the full extent of your power, be conformed to your word by avoiding all trifling acquaintances and the meaningless escapades of lovers. In short, during times of peace, that is, when temptations to the sin to which you are most inclined do not bother you, make frequent acts of the opposed virtue. 
and if occasions to practice it do not present themselves, strive to find them, for by this means you will strengthen your heart against future temptations. So here we see St. Francis de Sales, again, being very realistic about the relative importance of temptations. Perhaps you have had, you know, wild thoughts about grand plans that may or may not be in store for your future, but more often than not, it's more spiritually fruitful for us to think about the daily responsibilities, the daily duties, the daily joys and sorrows, which, you know, afford for us an occasion of deepening our Christian life and afford for us an occasion of, of knowing and loving those with whom we are set here on this earth. And so too, when it comes to temptation, I think sometimes we can romanticize the big temptations, but then overlook the small temptations. When truth be told, the big temptations don't occur too frequently, whereas the small temptations for us are a kind of daily bread. They are the ordinary proving ground of virtue and the means, the chosen means by which the Lord is often working to root out vice and sin from our lives uh, and to grow us in the divine life, which he pours into our heart day by day. So, Father Jacob Bertrand, as we turn our attention then to big temptations and small temptations, your thoughts on how we uh, set forward on this journey. Yeah, one summer, well, in our formation, in our Dominican formation, we spend our summers outside of the Dominican House of Studies, our, our seminary in D.C., in different communities throughout our province and engage in some sort of apostolic work. And my first summer, I was assigned to our community in Louisville, Kentucky, and working at the St. Vincent de Paul shelter there, and helping in various capacities, and one of them being a men's shelter. And the guy who was running the men's shelter he came into the office one afternoon, and I and I asked how he was doing, and he said something to the effect of just like being on the grind. And I was just like, hmm, I don't know what that means. So I asked him, and he said, you know, just like the daily grind, the daily kind of like trudge of life. Like it's good, but it's like just kind of like marching through today. I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And I think the Christian life is is a lot like that, um, that it's it's just kind of like a daily grind. And and we kind of trudge through, whether it's, you know, our prayer, whether it's our our work, our duties with our, our family, whatever it might be. It's just like the daily routine becomes kind of a, a grind. And sometimes we can overlook those occasions of of our daily life, um, overlook those occasions to encounter our Lord and to, you know, grow in holiness. And as Father Gregory was saying, like big temptations, they can come once in a while, but it's the small ones that we're faced with in like our daily grind of daily life that actually make the saint. It's how do we face the temptation to not want to follow through on what we've said, to not be, you know, a friend, a husband, a wife, a good son, a good daughter, you know, to even just do the little things, taking out the trash, you know, whatever it might be like there, we're, we're tempted to not sort of do what is good, beautiful and true and, you know, part required of us often because more often than not it's just kind of like blah we just don't want to do it but in in sort of living life well and seeing each of these occasions as moments to grow in holiness we're, we're really offered that and the lord offers himself in these little yeah in these little moments in these in these kind of routine moments we shouldn't lose sight of that i think at least that's my experience i don't know i might be on my own in it but there you have it <laughs> no not not alone and i think the point with which you concluded there this idea like, okay, we give ourselves to the goods, we give ourselves to the relationships, we give ourselves to, um, you know, like the people in our lives. And that, that while it requires a kind of effort for us in the midst of the grind, in the midst of the, the drudgery, as Job 7.1 reads, the life of man on earth is a drudgery. I don't want to make this sound too terrible, but it's kind of my inclination to make everything sound terrible. Um, yeah, we find in that a certain savor and sweetness. 
And in this particular selection, it's fascinating that St. Francis de Sales, he doesn't say that temptations are fruitful for us as spiritual beings just because we resist them. It's not like the whole point of our interaction with temptations is to hold them off at arm's length, like we're posing for the Heisman Trophy or something like that. No, no. That would be a white-knuckle approach to spiritual growth. It would be to say that the whole point of our Christian existence is to strive manfully from the day that we're born until the day that we die and hope for decent enough results when we get to heaven, please God. Right? No, that's, that's, that's not the vision of Christianity, which St. Francis de Sales is preaching to us in this section. He's actually saying that temptations afford for us an occasion so that we can exercise the virtuous life. So for us, we, we want to focus on the good. We want to focus on the people in our lives. We want to we focus on the, the kind of cool, magnanimous projects that we can undertake together. We want to focus on all the good things which, um, you know, which are said about us, rather than simply saying, all right, there are bad things and we need to resist them. Because at the end of the day, it's not too terribly easy to root bad things out of our life unless we replace those bad things with good things. So I like to say that the life of sin is not so easily rooted out as it is crowded out. And so he says here, you know, we should turn our attention to exercising the virtues and, you know, not, not necessarily focusing only on the contrary virtues to each particular vice, but the virtuous life whole and entire, because this gives us a stage in which to enact the drama of our virtuous growth, or it gives us, like we said in the last episode, a training ground in which to strengthen our virtuous constitution. So then, yeah, maybe your thoughts on this, this kind of dynamic between temptation and virtue and how we ultimately direct our gaze to the good. Yeah, I, we, would be, we would be wrong to think of the Christian life, of the devout life, of what St. Francis de Sales is presenting to us as being sort of like summed up in, in this and in, in what we're talking about, you know, in just like a battle against temptation, because the Christian life is not a sort of a manual to do better in life. Right, the Christian life is about knowing Christ, about being with Christ, and the matter of fact is that temptation comes, and the virtues help us to resist that. But it's about being with Christ. So if if we think of if we kind of like moralize and think that this is all it's about is about doing the good and and just being a good person, then we've missed the point. And I I say this not because I'm trying to like pepper back on what St. Francis is saying or what Father Gregory just said, but to sort of give a a more general or like a bird's eye kind of view of like, why are we talking about this a lot? Why is St. Francis spending a lot of time on this? In the end though, I think, I think that if, if we focus too much on sort of like what Father Gregory was describing, this sort of equity between vice and virtue, and am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I, is this the right amount of X and the right amount of Y, and am I avoiding this well enough? And we become distracted from ultimately what what the aim is in the devout life, and that's Christ. One of like the the great tools of the devil in in using temptation is that it's distracting, it pulls us away. So there has to be too like a sense of detachment from like you know from the question of did I sin? Did I not sin? Did I was I tempted? And not that we shouldn't avoid sin, but you know, we should be able to make a decision as to whether or not I fell in the face of temptation or I withstood in the face of temptation. If fall, um, then go to confession, beg our Lord's mercy and forgiveness, which he's always ready and willing to give. And, you know, the grace to withstand, ask for the grace to withstand the temptation the next time and kind of move on with life. You know, move on towards the Lord, move on in our relationship 
relationships and these in these sort of things. And again, that's not to say like what we do doesn't shape who we are, but we shouldn't be trapped by it. And I think that's it's kind of what St. Francis is is proposing to us is that like big temptations, small temptations, in a sense, it's like it's all about Christ. And we have to focus on that. We have to cling to that. Yeah. And I think here, you know, that image that you'll often see on prayer cards of the footprints in the sand, the idea being that in times of greatest trial or suffering or temptation, it is in fact Christ who carries us. You know, it's not that Christ abandons us, it's that he carries us. And when we refer back to some of those examples given at the beginning of the last section, like from St. Catherine of Siena and St. Jerome, even in the midst of grave or great temptation, the Lord shows himself most generous and shows himself most near. And I think that yeah, sometimes we can get in the habit of thinking about the Christian life, like you said, like a, like a certain manual to the improvement of one's state. When truth be told, it's about intimacy, right? It's about intimacy with our Lord Jesus Christ through faith and sacrament, which draws us into his very life at the heart of the most blessed Trinity. And temptation is just one setting in which that intimacy can be strengthened. Because if you think about your friendships, you know, oftentimes your friends are those with whom you have passed through trials, those, you know, who have shared in your endeavors, you know, like your blood, sweat, tears, whether it be on a kind of simple mundane task or whether it be on something, you know, more torturous or even more more harrowing still. Um, because it's like our hearts uh, are joined with those with whom we've suffered. They're joined with those with whom we have, yeah, undergone these trials. And I think the temptation is to, it's supposed to afford us some kind of entry into that. Yeah. So I don't know if you have uh, final thoughts or ways in which to bring us home for this episode. I think as a final thought, it's just going, I'm just going to repeat what I've already said, that as we've been talking about temptation, as we've been reading St. Francis on temptation, as we will continue for the coming chapters and episodes that we're going to cover together, um, all of that has to be held. And this might sound new agey, and it's probably not the best word, but it's the word that's coming to mind, the sort of holistic kind of view. Like the Christian life is not simply about like fighting things that might knock us off our path. It's about pursuing Christ. And temptation is going to come. And yet we find, as as we talked about in our with the examples of St. Jerome and St. Catherine from our last episode, you know, Christ is even there with us in those temptations. So um, there's a there's a beauty to behold, even in those moments when we think we might, um, you know, be weak, that we might fall, that we can, that Christ is there and we ought to, we ought to find him there. Boom. All right, folks, that's it for today. So thanks so much for tuning in and be sure to follow us if you haven't yet, wherever you listen to your podcasts. To download the reading plan and support the production of this podcast, please visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics. Know then of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we will catch you next time on Catholic Classics. Mm-hmm.